0: I' at six with almost many cars. Enforce my friends is violence, the supreme authority from which all other authority is derived.
1: And you know There is something very important that we need to do as soon as possible. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creative.
0: Hello and welcome. This is the Parents' Guide podcast, where we analyze movies with a focus on sex and violence. Uh, this is season one, in which we will look at movies only from the 1990s, and this is actually the first real episode. Today we're looking at the movie, Um hmm, already an interesting question that maybe we have to discuss, Uh, if we call this movie Existence or Existence. Or I don't know how. We will see. Uh, I, by David Cronenberg. They call it Existence in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, they do. It's written in a German way or Hungarian or I don't know. Anyway, um, I uh, I will have a guest on each episode. And you heard the guest already, which is great, actually. Um, and this is uh, the host of the Lone Acting Nominees podcast that I've been lucky enough to be guest, uh, guesting on quite a, a bit. And uh, a great person overall. So, hello, Gordon McNulty.
1: Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me on this uh, You're the first uh, person to guest on my show. So I guess it's fitting that I'm the first on yours.
0: That was the idea. Yeah, there would have been no other choice to be the guest on my first episode than you. Without your podcast, I probably would have never had the the inspiration and courage to start a podcast of my own, I think, because the experience doing this with you has really, really helped me to get this started. So um, yeah, of course, I wanted to have you on this. And you you were eager enough to join right away. That's great. I'm I'm really really curious what we have uh, to talk about with this not obvious choice for the first episode, which is what what I love. Um, there will be some some obvious choices along the way, but this one is not an obvious choice, and I'm really curious what we will have to say about it. But before we get started with the movie, I have an opening question that I will ask every guest um, and that you are not prepared for. So I will see what comes to your mind. And that's part of it. And uh, because I have called this uh, podcast the Parents Guide podcast, also in part because of what we have been talking about in a couple of episodes on your podcast, because we always love to look at the Parents Guide. Well, the Parents Guide is there on IMDb to uh, to, to help parents figure out what movie they can show their kids. So that their kids are not traumatized by something. So, which movie comes to your mind that might have traumatized you as a child? Either oh. when it comes to sex or violence or both.
1: Traumatized me as a child. I know, okay. Um,
0: disturbed.
1: I I know that I made my whole family leave the theater uh, when we went to go see... Oh man, am I going to be able to pull the movie? I think it was the Polar Express. Oh I yeah. Think I think the, just the uncanny valley of that. Uh, I, I could be getting the wrong movie here, though, because there's a, a few titles floating around in my head. Mm-hmm. I think also maybe I was freaked out by Corpse Bride when I saw that. That
0: would, that would make sense. Yeah. But I
1: don't remember if I made us leave that. I know there's one and I'm going to have to uh, check with my parents afterwards as to which <laughs> one it was. But I'm pretty sure Polar Express. I I was so it has nothing to do with sex or violence. No, it doesn't. In this case, it doesn't. It it did freak me out when I was a kid. I know there's probably a better, more fitting example for the prompt at hand. But that is like a movie where you thought,
0: oh, well, I'm not ready for this. I don't know what's happening here.
1: I don't necessarily know if there was one. Certainly not, at least with uh, sexuality, because that was just sort of like always a uh, not really a taboo topic in my house. Mm -hmm. My mom was a sex ed teacher. Uh, interesting especially like when i was growing up was when she was teaching so like there were all always books about sexuality Mm -hmm. and reproduction and stuff around the house and like papers and things from her classes like in the backseat of the car so that was never Mm -hmm. really a taboo topic so i don't know if i I was ever necessarily traumatized by anything in that regard but violence probably but but it's very interesting what
0: what you say about your mom is very interesting because I think the the chance for being traumatized by some sexual content in a movie, it's much higher if you don't actually talk about sex with your children. So Certainly. if you are uh, were relatively aware of what se- sexuality is, um, it makes sense that this is not something that would have disturbed you easily. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to hear. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I'm going to be thinking about that in the back of my head for the entire episode. <laughs> and I'll think of something as soon as we stop recording. I know it. But uh...
0: If, yeah. if you think of something, I'll add it in in, in the end or something. Uh, so okay. uh, don't don't worry too much about it. Um, but yeah, again, this was spontaneous. You had no idea that I would be asking you this. Uh, and, and But again, I think the Polo Express is still an interesting example, although you're right, it has nothing to do with sex and violence, but it is a movie <laughs> I think many people were dramatized by because it is so extremely uncanny. And I mean, Maybe if you want to, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but of course, uh, looking at those persons who don't look like real humans might uh, make you afraid of what they will do. Um, that would be a yeah. stretch to it all the way to violence. But I mean, there is a reason why people freaked out by this movie. Especially I mean, kids. if
1: if you want to make it more of a stretch, the the uncanniness of those vaguely flesh-like but not real people kind of ties into existence yeah. and the vaguely no, flesh-like wow. but not real uh like pods and tubes and stuff, and that's <laughs> that's even more of a stretch. But no, there's, no. there's probably something psychological there uh, in in common, I guess.
0: I mean, if you think about the Polar Express, it certainly is something where you wonder, like, what is reality? What is real? Is this real? Is this not real? Which does actually fit in with XS10. So I, I think this is not a, a stretch yeah. of segue that you that you uh, built us yeah. here. Uh, I, that, that's cool. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Um, okay. Uh, what I want to start with is I, I always have the parent's guide open for each movie we are discussing. And the first thing I want to look at is uh, how was this movie rated, especially in America? So the MPAA rated this movie R. And now uh, we get to something, not surprisingly, and I want to quote uh, their reasoning for this, which is always very fascinating, especially in the 90s when they were more creative with, with the reasoning. So it is rated R for strong sci-fi violence and gore, <laughs> comma, and for language.
1: I wouldn't necessarily say that. Well, I guess some of the violence has a... An inherent science fiction element, but most of the violence is just plain old violence. (laughs) Yes,
0: I really, really like that. I mean, we will get into specifics, but the term sci fi violence is so creative, but no, like, you can have no idea what that actually means. Like, what is sci fi violence compared to normal violence? Uh, It's not like people are only killed by spaceships or lasers.
1: Yeah, like, I guess you could say Star Wars is sci fi violence because, like, lightsabers are a a specifically sci- and like the guns in this are sure are very something or other but i i, I don't know that it's that weird, is a, right? just a weird descri- it's a weird descriptor but yeah. i like it
0: and what i like is and i mean again we will get into this the the rating uh, uh reasoning does not mention sexuality at all although i would argue this movie is very sexual not explicitly so but it, like if you have no idea about sex and you watch this movie, I can imagine that you are weirded out by what's going on here. So I'm, I find it interesting that this is not mentioned in the reasoning at all, when normally the MPAA is very um, sensitive when it comes to sexuality, much more than to violence. Okay, uh, I will probably uh, throw the episode quote from The Parent's Guide, because especially with this movie, it's very interesting. I mean, again, with The, with the Parent's Guide, you always have to remember that it's user-generated, so it's not like an, any yeah. official thing. It has only 17 items, which is, which is not that much. I have uh, other movies uh, on on the schedule that have more, 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 more items, which are, uh, I don't know, aimed for kids, which then again makes sense because the parents guide is for parents uh, and like parents probably don't think about too much if they want to show their kids existence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, we will, we will get back to the parents guide at one point or another. Uh, if we look at the ratings across the board, um, in some countries uh, it actually was rated 18. Uh, for example, in Spain or South Korea or Poland and Canada, no, only the home video rating. on no, some parts of Canada was rated 18. So that's the highest rating I could find. And, and the lowest rating I could find, and this will be um a through line uh, in this show, is that it was rated 12 in France. Because <laughs> France, as I have figured out already, normally does not care if their movies are violent or sexual.
1: They sure don't.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 really curious to see which movie will actually be rated higher in france uh, that we will be discussing here but uh, this is not the one in germany it was rated 16 which is uh, relatively normal for a movie like that that's not surprising yeah yes okay i am um, okay then let's get into specifics and i have um yeah well two opening questions for you and uh, the first one is what would you say is the most violent moment in this movie
1: Oh, I wrote. So I I took notes on this. I had a list of Mm -hmm. sex, a list of violence and a list of Mm -hmm, sex and violence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there there wasn't a lot for sex and violence. Like, one of the things I have on there is just the presence of Willem Dafoe, who just feels like in general, (laughs) when he shows up in movies, has a very sexual and very violent nature, just inherent to his presence. Uh, Once most... I rewatched
0: the movie, I realized right away why you picked this one because it has Willem Defoe in it. So of course but, you picked it. I'm,
1: I mean that's the reason I watched it for the first time was I I did a whole thing where I watched a bunch of movies from actors I like that I hadn't seen the movies of and like one a day for four weeks, four different actors, and I had a Dafoe week, and this was one of the ones I put on there. Uh, but okay, back to the question: the most violent part of this movie. That oh, do I you think
0: consider the most violent moment. yes, yeah. like this is very subjective, of course. Yeah. Uh,
1: there's a there's two moments that I'm. I'm torn between. I think the one I'm going to go with is at the restaurant scene where, where they've Mm -hmm. ordered the special and Jude law has turned the sort of carcasses of these, these mutated lizards and reptiles into this gun. And he shoots the waiter in, Mm -hmm. in the face, the first shot, like it, it grazes his cheek and it's not really like there's, there's blood, but it's, it's kind of cartoony. But then the second shot gets him like right, in the center of the face and when his body falls onto the table, like his yes. skull is sort of yeah. eviscerated and you see like, like chunks of, of bone and flesh inside mm-hmm. his head in a way that like the human skull doesn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's not what it, it would look like. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole Cronenberg thing is that the body is terrifying and mystifying mm-hmm. and erotic.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we're going to express that with these very outlandish, but, in intriguing visuals uh and that's why i, I think it, it's a good start for this sort of entire conversation mm-hmm. uh to start with a cronenberg movie because <laughs> it, everything sexual is violent and everything violent is sexual uh and just the the sort of tantalizing grossness of the how different the inside of that waiter's head looks mm-hmm. uh when he falls to the table i think that's the most viscerally violent moment for me
0: yeah i think actually maybe i would agree with that um i thought i I think about that too of course and i think this is the most um explicit moment of like committed violence so to speak when someone commits violence to someone else and we see like this is the most graphic one by far i would say um yeah I, i think maybe and we can get we'll get to that there are other moments that are maybe more gross to watch but when it yeah. just comes to violence when someone actually kills someone this yeah i would agree and it comes relatively at the end right it's 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 a very late moment this this kill uh, and it is surprisingly graphic um also i think because the first shot he he doesn't really react that much he's just standing there and it takes a while until the second shot comes and then it just like explodes and then we see him lying there again yeah it, it, that is a violent moment um yes. it is also i think an interesting moment for our characters because before that happens, Jude uh, Law's character says, uh, before he creates this weapon, as you explained, from the food they have ordered, which is uh, weird enough, of course, right? Uh, yeah. And kind of like blends all the ideas of organic weapons that uh seen throughout the movie. Suddenly it all comes together, just like the weapon comes together suddenly. Yeah. Um, and he says to Jennifer Jason Lee, I feel the urge to kill someone. And he has been like the one of the more peaceful characters in this film, like the one who's... Kind yeah. of like doesn't want to commit violence. And I think this is what um, maybe this is the reason why this uh, this scene is so explicit in its violence because it's more shocking to see it coming from him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's very meek, timid, totally like averse to all of the the sex and the violence mm-hmm. and the pseudo sex and the pseudo violence. And then suddenly and, and it's something that the the movie kind of toys with is whether that's Ted the the player Mm -hmm. or Ted the character that he's playing within existence the video game and that kind of connects to what I'm gonna bring up for what I assume is your next question but (laughs) when he sort of points the gun at her and says he repeats back the death to the demoness Allegra Geller uh, and is like joking around about that and as it turns out maybe not joking around and as it turns out maybe Mm -hmm. he is joking around (laughs) there's so many layers uh and it's Literally. very
0: ambiguous. This movie is yes. extremely ambiguous.
1: Right, right up to the very literal last second. Um, but yeah, to see that change in him and to to not know whether that urge to kill is pre-programmed in the game or just Ted feeling, you know, the, the extreme free will of being in a video game uh, and being surrounded by all these NPCs that are at your mercy it, it, it all ties back to that and how how quickly when a weapon is handed to him he feels the urge to uh, test yeah. it out
0: interesting yeah, that's a very interesting point this maybe will, brings us to the maybe the deeper ideas of this movie which is i think p- partly is again like the 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 allure of violence or also how Video games, which are connected to violence, just in general, right? When we think of video games, it's very normal that we think of violence. I would even argue that maybe video games, in most cases, are inherently violence, no matter how explicit they are, because they're so, so often about defeating enemies, you know, taking out things, people, whatever. Yeah. Right? I mean, if if you want to be like extreme, you could say like Pac-Man, one of the original video games, is in a kind of way is violent, right? Because you have to be sure that you're not get killed by these monsters yeah Yeah. it's not very explicit of course
1: yeah same with like galaga and uh all those like the like alien fighters and you're shooting at aliens like the earliest forms of arcade games were that like excluding pong i guess
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i guess pong doesn't really fit in there and yeah. I mean, I, I've read that people see uh, Existence as a movie that like warns of video game violence, which I think is, is just too simplistic to, <laughs> for Cronenberg as if he was someone to warn people of video game violence. I think that would be absurd yeah, no. to think that. Just like, uh, I don't know, Videodrome is not about uh, that uh, TV, uh, watching TV or, TV or movies is, makes you violent. I, like this, this is not how Cronenberg takes. He's much too fascinated by violence himself. To, to yeah. be that simplistic,
1: dead ringers is not uh, a a warning against OBGYNs.
0: <laughs> no, or twins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dead
1: ringers the the anti twin creed uh, that Cronenberg uh, is making.
0: No, I mean I, it does say something about video games and violence for sure, right? Uh, and, yes. and there is like there are these these levels, and again, as he as you pointed out, right, there is this change in the character throughout the movie. Yeah? he's this weak, really passive. A character who is really averse to violence and then in the end we have this scene that we just talked about where he says i have to urge to kill someone and then he kills someone and he doesn't even seem to care that much it's not like he he's shocked by what he did he's just like well that's, that's what i what i just did because that's what i wanted to do all the way to the end where he is where we're on a different level of reality and he still is a, a violent person all of a sudden yeah um, he
1: is a terrorist as it turns out <laughs>
0: yes And I mean, I think that's part of the movie's ambiguity that it's not so easy to say who's like a violent character or who isn't because, uh, I mean, and and I think that gets much closer to what Cronenberg wants to say in all of his movies is that we all have urges within us, violent and sexual ones, and they can come out in one way or another, maybe even if we want to or not. Uh, Maybe the the biggest through line through all his his movies, I think, if if you've seen enough of them. Um, And I think that becomes very, very explicit here as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, did you read any about where his inspiration for the story comes from?
0: No, I actually I have not. Um, because I, I was focusing so much on what the violence and the sex in those movies that uh, I want to discuss here is, I haven't I haven't actually looked at the. So I have you by any chance?
1: Yeah, I I found it was just like it's on the Wikipedia page, which I yeah, okay, I didn't then, go then. too deep into my research. Uh, but in I think it was 1995, he read an interview with Salman Rushdie about the uh, fatwa that had been put on mm-hmm. him. Uh for his uh, writings. And from there, it just sort of evolved in Cronenberg's mind into like, what if there was a similar type of fatwa against a video game designer? And that's really just like the seed of the idea. And it grows from there. But I think that kind of, Mm. I don't think this is like, this isn't Cronenberg speaking out against video games. This is Cronenberg sort of speaking to the culture around video games, especially in this Mm -hmm. time. Like, uh, one of the things that I, I wrote down that just sort of puts this movie at a place in time more so than has anything to do with the actual context of the movie is that. So this comes out uh, one month or so after The Matrix, which is a similar <laughs> sort of movie mm-hmm. about deeper levels and all this stuff. But something that happens in between that, like three days before this movie premieres, is Columbine. Oh, and yeah. that I, I is something would say that, that yeah. I mean, among other things video games were sort of touted as a thing that spawned this violence in these yes. in, in in the boys that did that um but i just think that th- that places this movie at a very specific point yeah. in the culture around like doom being uh uh picketed for for yeah. being satanic when like the the yes. developers are like you're killing the demons you're it's a very <laughs> explicitly anti-satan <laughs> Game, uh, but just like that's where the social culture is. So I think that you, you can see where Cronenberg uh, picks up these ideas of terrorist uh, uh, and very extremist views against video games for poisoning culture and for warping culture uh, in, in an interesting way.
0: Yeah, I mean he doesn't I don't think he criticizes video games at all. I think you're you're quite on, on, on point there. But I mean, I think some of the most disturbing scenes, I mean, not like from what we see, I think we get to some disturbing scenes, but especially are the the opening scenes where we see those people and how obsessed they are with um what is her name? Allegra, right? Yeah. Is that her name? Yes.
1: Yeah, Allegra Geller. Great yes. names. Great names throughout yes. this movie, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Ted but, Peichel, Ye- yeah. Yevgeny Nourish, uh will yeah, of- is just Gas,
0: Hungarian influences here, which is one of the weirdest languages ever. So that it makes it a very interesting and very fitting for Chrono. But anyway, uh, the way they are obsessed with her and the way they react to her has this uh, cult like uh, mechanics right from the start. And I think this is what where he's we can see much more criticism or a critical view maybe than with the actual gaming uh, ideas Uh, all the way to the end, right? And, And just the idea that there could be something like terrorism around video games that people could be so distressed by the idea of someone developing video games that uh, warp reality too much or something, uh, that this could lead to people being so obsessed that they want to commit actual violence is a very, very interesting take that, uh, well, kind of got lost, I think. Maybe maybe Columbine was yeah. the reason because the, the discussion around video game violence, uh, again, switched completely. Uh, unfortunately, I would even argue. I think your doom example is very interesting. Uh, by the way, here in Germany, uh, doom was not was also a problem, but the bigger problem was Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Uh, but it was a similar oh, yeah. thing because people said, "Well, you can't play that. It's like a Nazi game." When again, you clearly kill Nazis in this game. Yeah. And just because you see swastikas in the game, it was like completely banned in Germany, like it was almost impossible to get it. Although, again, it's it's clearly not a game that is pro-Nazi. But well, there you go. Yeah. Um, OK, I think we have to talk about other violent moments in this movie. But before we do, because you pointed this one out as the most violent scene, I want to quote from The Parent's Guide, because there are two lines in The Parent's Guide about this scene and they couldn't be more different from each other. So there's one where it says the following. An Asian man, again, interesting why this is necessary to mention, of course, gets shot in the face two times. Half of his face is ripped open, showing gory details of chunks of flesh and skin hanging out of his wound. Close to what you described it like. And then in the spoiler section, this scene is described again, and now this way. The Chinese waiter is shot and killed by the organic gun. He's shot in the side of his face, and the camera lingers on a bloody gash, a little bit of blood spray scene. This is not really all that graphic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Weird, weird how only the first shot is considered a spoiler and the second shot where it actually kills him. Totally fine.
0: And how, how both like it's so so contradictory, yeah. right? It's uh, it's it's very interesting. That happens a lot in the parents' guide for this movie, by the way. Yeah.
1: Um. yeah. Oh, I mean, that happens in the parents' guide for every movie. They are so yeah. non-curated it is it's pretty wild
0: before we get uh, i think i um, let's let's see are there any other violent moments that you think should uh, should be discussed before we move on to uh, sexuality
1: oh there's a there's a bunch but the one that i i was toying with as maybe my answer to the question as well is at the very end uh or at least at the very end of the sort of existence <laughs> arc right before the sort of coda at the end where uh ted is his porthole was infected and allegra says she's closing it up and she sort of injects something into it and then at the end when he holds her at gunpoint reveals that he's been a terrorist this whole time and she holds up the the injector and basically reveals oh i knew you were a terrorist uh so hey remember when i put that thing in you and then she (laughs) she presses the button and his back just explodes and (laughs) there's like blood and guts and stuff coming out of the back of him that it's pretty gnarly, and and it does not shy away from showing that happened to him, which is pretty gross
0: and surprising, right? You just don't ex- expect someone to just explode this way, a part of him yeah. only, right? I from think we the back, would be more used inside. to. Yes, we would be more used to someone exploding completely because that's what something we've seen more of in the movies, but that's just a part of him explodes. As the parent's guide says, uh, his lower back blows open in a rain of blood better. Yes, yeah. uh, that is kind of surprising and shocking. I mean, even more um, because it's one of our main characters. By the way, yeah. same here. In the spoiler section, this scene is described in the following way. There is a scene where one character's back is blown off slash out. It's surprisingly not too graphic Since it's dark. I
1: mean, you don't see it happen on the actual contact of his back because he's wearing clothes. But, like, you see the stuff fly out of him. Also, I I think this also kind of, again, blurs the lines between the sex and violence of it. But one of the Mm -hmm. reasons it's so visceral is that it's happening from internally and it's happening out of the back. And usually, like, if there's ever a scene in a movie where someone has an explosive inside of them and it goes off and they explode, it's from the front because it's usually ingested through the mouth. And it's on their stomach, uh, and there's really only unless you're in this movie where there's a second porthole right uh, on the on your lower back. There's only one hole in your back, and it's yes. butt. And yes, a lot of movies shy away from putting anything in there. Uh, and that's, not this one. <laughs> yeah, no, this movie is all about anal sex. And, yes, uh, yes, I mean, it, almost explicitly about anal sex. But like to see him explode from the back from something internal is not really something you see at all ever in movies. So it is just sort of jarring on that level because you don't see that. And the movie does, the movie shows you it because I mean, when you have another hole down there, uh, you, you want to see what you can do and sometimes what you can do is put an explosive in
0: yes again this uh, we'll, we'll get to the sexuality part where we can discuss uh, uh, all of this uh, ho- these holes in, in detail as the movie likes to do. Um, I think there is at, at least I, I would say argue uh, there's some violence uh, we, we have to take a look at first and I think maybe oh, the yeah, there's still more the most explicit violence I would argue is actually not the violence committed to people but to devices and animals. Because there yeah. we see more details than to than any violence committed to, to people, right? There's the scene yeah. in the in the factory where they dissect frogs and fish, and it's very graphic.
1: And it's done so just uh, matter-of-factly. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. He, he he shows up in there. Ted does with the pre-programmed knowledge of the character of how to dissect these animal and, animals and take out the parts that are used for whatever they're used for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's visceral to us because. We're not even used yes. to seeing these animals that yes. are warped and uh genetically in- engineered or whatever. But he's just you know, slice open the stomach, reach in, grab the the pod and the thing that looks like a bean and the thing that looks like a rope or whatever. And just put him in this package, wrap him up, tape them up, send him off to L.A., whatever. And that happens to so many different when they're dissecting the pod. When Ian Yeah, is, that's the other one. yeah, fixing the pod. And that, that's when we find out what they actually are that they are spliced dna and uh reptile eggs and stuff that mm-hmm. are grown specifically for the purpose of being gaming devices the movie has has a like i kept going back like is this violence is this sex is it both because it's all about these very biological fleshy mm-hmm. things that are being violenced upon uh, every time we find out something has bones that we didn't know had bones, every time yes. something moves when we didn't think it could move or when they, they burn the the diseased pod and spores come out of it, when he slices open the, the mm-hmm. connecting tube and the blood starts spray. everything, Cronenberg is so good at giving you a thing, making you wonder how it works, and then showing you in extreme detail how it works.
0: Yes. I mean, in any other movie, the scene in the factory would be someone is dropped into the setting that they hadn't seen before, and they would be freaked out by what is done there, right? They would be like, oh, no, are you cutting off these animals? But as you said, that doesn't happen at all. And I think that shows that he takes the gaming idea seriously, because if you would play a game and you were thrown into a setting, you would assume that your character knows what the character is doing. So that's what yeah. happens, right? When he cuts open those animals, he doesn't care because that's his character now. We are grossed out <laughs> yeah. right? when we see the the animals cut open and the insides coming out and all of that stuff because it's shocking to us. But why would the character be shocked, right? It's it's the game character. He, he knows what he's doing.
1: Yeah, he's getting a little uh, subconscious tutorial as to here's how to play this part of the game. You got to yeah. move your controller this way and cut open this and whatever like this movie it comes at an interesting point for where gaming is like i can't imagine what this movie would be like now with a similar concept with how advanced these types of games have become and like Mm -hmm. getting even more in depth with the visual side of things like this comes so long before vr so long before any sort of real immersive game especially like with this level of graphics i mean obviously it's a full vr where it's just real life it's just actual footage i I would kind of like i don't want to see a remake of this movie but i would be interested in what a movie like this would be like now
0: uh well i think one of the brilliant things about this movie is that it doesn't feel dated at all because all the devices are so organic so they seem out of place anyway like nothing has existed back then like this nothing exists like this now and if you compare this to any other movie especially from the 90s that depicts gaming in any way they all look so dated like if you think about lawnmower man for example which looks so terrible (laughs) right now and was seen as revolutionary for about one year before people realized oh no this is not what it is like or any 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 movie that shows vr i mean again disclosure for example is so ridiculous and all of these movies just don't work but this movie works perfectly you would never yeah. think oh this is what they thought of in 1999 because you know people in 1999 didn't think gaming device would look like like organs or like <laughs> like creatures or stuff like that or like umbilical yeah. cords or any of this stuff
1: and this is and what, wo-
0: what makes it so brilliant i really like like that about this movie
1: and the one thing it does get right with all of this uh technology is at the very end uh after they've been taken out of the game and it's all just these test subjects and it turns out oh they were all playing a game everyone that we've seen it was just different layers of game and they're playing Transcendence. It, there's like two cutaway shots to the group sitting around that like church hall and they're all just sitting there on tablets that look exactly like <laughs> yes. modern cell phones. And it's really weird to see like, that's how this event in 2022 would look afterwards where <laughs> yes. some people that's are packing true. up to leave, but most people are just sitting around checking their phones. It looked like it It took me a second to be like, wait, no, this this movie is so far before that tableau would look normal and yes. it's it's really surprising how exact they got the look.
0: Yeah, Groenberg is really good when it comes to this. Especially yeah. because he he thinks so much outside the box that he you cannot just you can't just date. And and I think that goes for all of his movies. I think none of them look too dated because the way he uses technology never places it in the the reality of where this movie was made. So yeah. it, it, it never looks dated.
1: Right. Yeah. And taking it all back to the Polar Express somehow, nothing <laughs> yes. is Uncanny Valley because one, it's all physically there. It's all actual yes. prosthetics and physical prop work. And two, like you were saying, it's so outside of the realm of reality. It's so far removed from the potential for an Uncanny Valley that like nothing's going to look dated because nothing looks like the fly, Nothing looks like mm-hmm. Naked Lunch nothing Mm -hmm. looks like existence so there's there's nothing that we can subconsciously compare it to to be like oh well this pales in comparison to x that looks more realistic because there's no version of that that we can subliminally uh, connect it back to
0: and what the movie does not do which also every movie but gaming does is not show some kind of weird transition moment where you're like going through like the cables into the game and then yeah which no, would look there. no there's just a cut and you're there and which makes it so unsettling to this movie because you never really know where you are what where reality ends and 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 begins because you're just boom, suddenly you're in a different level and you have no idea right even like compared yeah. I, I i thought a lot which has nothing to do with gaming i thought a lot of inception watching re-watching this movie now because i think it comes closest to these different kind of levels where you at some point, don't know where you are anymore. Um, yeah, and I would argue and not to 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 criticize inception too much, but I think existence does a better job at this because it just it's so matter of fact about it that you really have no idea where you are anymore. I mean, I I which I read, and if you look for it, you see it. That you, if you look at the hairstyles of uh, Jude Law and Jennifer Jennifer Jason Lee, you see the differences. But even that is so subtle that it's easy to miss
1: yeah like i I noticed it a bit with jennifer jason lee one just because she has more hair to notice (laughs) yes it's it's completely straight in one version slightly curly and then very curly jude law it's just sort of the part is different and that's really hard to pick up on because even in 1999 his hairline was yes receding
0: it's most noticeable in the in the reality or level when he killed someone because then his hair looks I don't know, the, the coolest, the smoothest, the more stylized in a way. And that, that's yeah. where you see the biggest change. But that's about it. it. And and you can easily miss that as well. Okay, we moved a little bit away from violence uh, to discuss gaming, which is okay because that's what this movie is about. And it's again, it's fascinating. Okay, before we move over to sexuality, is there any other violent moment that you would like to, to discuss in any way? Uh-huh. And I do want to point out that I think most of the violence actually that is left is relatively not graphic like people are shot but you don't never see a lot of blood in other scenes in the opening scene and so on i think most violent movies um most violent scenes in this movie are not as violent as you could imagine you don't see that much
1: there's one that is like a definitive sort of transition over into sexuality with one throwaway line almost that i can tie it back to where (laughs) so in in the opening sequence after we're introduced to the concepts and the game and everything There's this terrorist that shoots at Allegra and shoots her in the Mm -hmm. shoulder with this biomechanical gun that when she and Jude Law are leaving, uh, he has to take the bullet out with a knife and it turns out it's a tooth. But the, the, the transition into the scene where they're cutting out the knife as they're driving away, she's like, we need to stop right now. I need you to pull over the car so that we can have an intimate moment together. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that intimate moment that they have to have together is taking out the the bullet.
0: But that moment, and I noted that as well, is like he wants to pull out this tooth and he doesn't know it's a tooth already. And he's like asking her, are you sure? And she has to give him consent. And this is what I noticed that as well, that this is where it crosses the line into into and which is something that Dylan will continue with these two characters throughout their journey, that they always talk about something. And if you you don't have to look so deep to see that they in a wait are talking about sex all the time until they oh, have absolutely. sex. But this is the first moment. And again, if you think about it, and it is a relatively graphic moment when you see the wound and it's bloody and it's not not erotic or anything, right? He pulls a tooth out of a bloody wound, but it still has something sexual to it.
1: Yeah, because Cronenberg loves to do this with his violent moments. Where yes, it, I, he has to do this. He ha, like I would not be surprised at all to find out that whenever Cronenberg is shooting a violent scene, he tells his actors make the most sexual sounds yes. you can. Because yeah. she has this little gasp, she has this moan. There's the point yeah. where uh, Jude Law, when he gets the port put in, put into him, the first one by uh, Willem Dafoe. Yes, uh, he has a little gasp when mm. he. Uh, falls forward onto the chair and again it's all about yeah it's all it, i mean i'll i'll talk about it in just a second but like all of the sounds of people being hurt or experiencing violence in this movie are sexual sounds and like that's kind of true in general because they're both very mm-hmm. visceral yeah physical experiences but like cronenberg sort of ups that ante ever so slightly in his movies, where, like, no, ju- yeah. just make sex noises. Don't act like you're being hurt. Act like this is the most erotic thing you've ever felt. And we'll just we'll just pretend it's a violent sound.
0: I mean, I don't want to get into it too much because I hope that maybe at some point I'll do an episode on it. But I have been kind of obsessed with Crash in the last couple of weeks ever since I rewatched it for the first time in, like, 20... No, not 20 years. It's not that old. Anyway, you know what I mean. Um, and this movie is, I think the most... I would really argue and existence is a good example for the, this combination of sex and violence, but I think Cronenberg never got closer to combining these two elements than in Crash. It, it's so hard for us to understand how these people can be sexually obsessed with car crashes. Or maybe you can understand it, but it's still like there is such a... It, it, there it is not just hinted at, it's explicit. These people get turned on by getting into accidents, by, by yeah. have, being hurt, by actually sexually penetrating wounds, not just hinting yeah. at like in this movie where there is a hint and, and clear, it's very clear, but in Crash, it is explicit. It is clear. They have sex with wounds and it's so uh, weird and wild. Yeah. And there's a reason why Crash was maybe one of his most like shocking, controversial movies he's ever made because it was so explicit. And in a way, yeah. he has moved away from that a little bit. I mean, Existence, again, is, is much more tamer than Crash. But you see, I think those movies are also very, very much connected.
1: Ask me the question that you're about to yes. ask because okay, then yeah. my it's, it's answer time. ties okay. into that. My answer so ties into that. What is
0: the most that. sexual moment in Existence? Okay. To you.
1: There's 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 two that come within the same scene mm-hmm. that are so close together that I have to pair them. Uh yes. there's the scene it's the scene after they, they're in the game now. They're in Existence. They've just gotten the mini game pods. Jennifer Jason Lee has put it in Jula and it goes all the way inside him, uh, mm-hmm. and he's about to put it in her. Uh, he's he's kneeling down behind her. He puts the pod on her her port. It goes in, and he leans in and licks it. He 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 licks yeah. Yeah. the the port, and she turns yeah. around and is like, "Why'd you do that?" And he says, "It was the character. It wasn't him." And the whole rest of the scene, you're left to think, "Are are they?" on the same level of like, our characters have to have sex in this scene for the emotional weight, which is what she says. Or are they both saying that to mask the fact that they just want to fuck each other? And it's ambiguous as to whether this is character driven or them just getting it on. But at the end of that scene, she's on his lap. They're making out. She turns around. And uh, it's implied they're having, like she pulls her skirt down. You don't see anything. We hear a little squish sound. We hear that he has entered her. And mm-hmm. what do you think? Do you think he's they're just having anal sex? Or do you think he's having sex with their board?
0: I I think the, the movie is not explicit enough to really tell. That's why then then I'm you,
1: asking you specifically. What do you think is happening in that scene?
0: I think I, the problem is I read the parent's guide and there it says... They're clearly having anal sex. And I thought, hmm, really? Because I'm not sure. I think the movie is not sure enough. I think I wouldn't have thought that having just watching the movie. I'm not sure what I would have thought. Actually, I wouldn't have thought that because, but, but really because the movie, I mean, you say it's not explicit. Like you barely see skin when they have sex. Yes. Right, they're completely yeah. clothed. Yeah, you know? it's really it's like the most unexplicit sex scene you can imagine in a way. I think. But then again, the, yeah, without if you don't think about what are they actually doing, like what kind of sex are they actually having, right? And, and I think that's again Cronenberg's strength here that your imagination can go many different wild places, just like with the scene in Crash that I, that I hinted at when I said like penetrating in wood. You also don't see that. Like it's yeah. it's very much implied, but you don't see that. He's not that graphic. And here it's the same thing, right? You don't really know. And as you explained before, because of this this foreplay when he when he licks the port, which is so sexual, yeah.
1: that's the that's why I think he is having sex with the port because he just yeah. licked the port. and yeah. it, it's like that's you know what turns him on, yeah. yes. You, you know the sort of like half joke that people say of like, if we ever find aliens, the first two things we're going to ask are how can we fuck it or how can we eat it? Like <laughs> that is just where our our uh, cultural experience is at this point is like everything is either a commodity or a conquest. And that's like that's what this whole movie is like either or, or we try to kill them. Those are yeah, the Exactly. That's what I wanted, wanted to add. Have yeah. sex with them, eat them or kill them. And in this movie. You eat the the bioengineered animals and we kill them and that leaves sex and the port there. There's a new hole on people. We're going to try and have sex with that hole. I think Jude Law is having I think Ted is 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 fucking the port in that scene. And it it makes sense because like the characterization of him up until that point is essentially a virgin who's about to have his first time and his first time is being pegged like yes. he's getting thrown into sex in like several layers removed yes. of like having yeah. a having any sort of romantic aspect having you know regular quote unquote and I'm not going to judge anyone for what their sex is regular or not uh, how how definitely not sex yeah regular there there is no regular uh but he's not having penetrative sex in the traditional uh conception sense yeah his his first time in the, and it's not literal, it's not literally having sex, but the characterization is a virgin whose first time is uh, being penetrated yes. in that way. And-, and the
0: movie is very explicit in that and takes step by step by step until it happens. And it's the way they talk about it, what he says, what she's saying, what Willem Defoe says as well. I think really, really points at that, and, and I mean, when you say we don't want to judge, the movie clearly does not judge this at all. Yes. It never goes like, "Oh, oh no, oh no, one wants that or anything." Right? He's he's scared of it, but when it finally happens in one way or another, like the movie does not say this is a problem or strange or anything. Actually, I would say the opposite. The movie, in a way, implies that they that he moves to a different level of like sensuality in a way that he yeah. fully embraces. So. The movie is not judgmental at all. And again, just to want to go back to Crash for a second. Like, there is a scene in Crash 2 where it's really clearly implied that um, that James Bader and uh, Elias uh, Koteas, I think that's, I don't know if, if you pronounce his name this way, have sex. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> and in Crash there is no like it is treated just like any other sex in the movie there's no difference between men and women and men and men like it's just the same thing and here I think it's very very similar but the way it's built up this way I I just, I, I wrote all of this down when I looked at it so closely when I rewatched it and it's so fascinating the way the movie builds that up
1: yeah, like, he, he literally has a line where he says the reason he doesn't have the port is that he has a phobia about having his body penetrated Exactly, and then clarifies like you know what I mean in that like in that way. Um, yeah. Also, I do I do want to clarify uh, that like when I was saying that he's uh, this virgin whose first time is being penetrated in that way. I mean specifically, he's a straight man whose first time is being penetrated in that yes. way. And like, there's an entire different subtext if you want to go other routes, and that's yeah. That's not where the movies go. I, I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm trying no. to say it. But
0: uh, I I wrote this line too that you said. Uh, I have this phobia of having my body penetrated. And uh, Jennifer Jason Lee replies and says, "Once you're ported, there is no end to the games you can play."
1: Oh, she's <laughs> talking all about how you've never played any games and yeah, and like a lot of this dialogue, is, like you were saying, could be about sex or not. Uh, when he when he is about to get the port put in him by Willem Dafoe, he asks like how many people have you ported and he says yes. oh three well you'll be my third and that has a very different like that has mm-hmm. the, that's the way you talk about you know sexual partners as well and All he has this, to stand this, like,
0: behind him to put the port in yeah, his yes, back so. with this big long <laughs> porting big, machine very phallic that he has. machine he falls yeah.
1: forward on on yeah. the couch and gasps and says i love it in like a very breathy uh Way and then, and Willem Dafoe says,
0: it. Didn't her did it?
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then just like the gap. There's oh, what else? Oh, she keeps calling him Pykel, she keeps calling him by his last name, and he says, Call me Ted. And she just says, Maybe afterwards, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, like a- a- maybe after we play this game together, yes, we'll be more familiar. I can call you by your re- uh, real name. Like, uh, she's talking about how his port is excited and it wants action. And then she sucks on the tube to put it in him, and it it like accepts into into his back, all this. Yeah, and, and it means she... after that, he says that was beautiful. Just like so much of this dialogue, he kind of about loops the
0: pore too, and then penetrates yeah. it with the fingers, and and, yes. and 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 so on and so on. It's it's so. And again, just think about: okay, Would anyone be able to think of another movie that goes there in the yeah. way this movie does? How? how much it makes it clear that all of these people are enjoying this if you are afraid of it you you will see that it's actually good and yeah, satisfying you have
1: these experienced uh, and energetic mentors yeah. that are giving you the like showing you the ropes and making it pleasurable uh, and I, I, man. It's, it's kind of pegging propaganda. Oh, without <laughs> this, movie this movie's about pegging. This movie's about pegging. If we haven't made and it I, clear, this movie's about pegging.
0: I love that. I love that the yeah. movie does that. That a movie about supposedly gaming and virtual reality is basically a metaphor for pegging. I mean, so yeah. it's in an its own category with no other movie next to
1: it. Yes. Like it could have easily gone the opposite route. Uh, and had it been, you know, this this male gaming or architect yes. who has this virginal female yeah. uh, uh, bodyguard that he has to show the ropes and he has to sort of deflower her in into the mm-hmm. gaming world. And it would be like an entirely different movie, just yeah. like the context of this being the the nervous younger guy and the extreme expert like this is her Mm -hmm. she is an unparalleled prodigy in gaming uh, yes which I don't know just that in general it's so funny that that uh, Cronenberg is like huh I could make a movie about what if there was like a a an extremist hit put against a video game developer I bet she probably pegs this guy huh (laughs) That's yeah, gonna be it, the thesis. That's that's the secondary <laughs> thesis for this movie. Like that's I love and because it's it. Kronberg, he, he got it.
0: this movie made based yes. on that, right? I mean, people had to pay money for this and everything. Like he got all the actors. It's a it's a great movie. And again, we we I, we said it before, but it's in 1999, right? You could imagine yeah. a movie today where people actually talk about these themes. Because we're much more open when it comes to, to things like that, right? As a society. But in nineteen ninety-nine, I'm not sure people even would know what pegging is, like in general.
1: In the mainstream. In, in, the, mainstream, in the mainstream. Of course. Of course. Of course. Same right? thing. It's the it's the same thing with the Matrix, uh, to tie those movies back yes. together. Is the, Yeah, very good. There yeah. S- there are so many little like winking nods to the BDSM subculture that the Wachowski's yes. were very entrenched in to that time that like nowadays and, and also the the trans imagery in that movie in our sort of uh dichotomous the the trans because the, the, they were in a lot of queer uh, uh underground cultures uh yeah. together and that has a lot of influence on that movie that just in the mainstream were was not picked up on at large
0: no uh, not at all i mean there were so many theories and interpretations of the matrix and i'm sure there were also uh like trans narratives around it, but not not in a general, broader sense. And now we're at this point where it's like, yeah, of course, there's it, that. That's what it mainly is, and it's widely accepted as well. And I think this really shows our uh, change in society, maybe even hopeful change. I would argue, existence has not reached this this uh, widespread popularity uh, and or should. reevaluation. Reevaluate <laughs> yeah, this
1: movie, cowards.
0: Yes, I really, I really, I'm. I was so positively surprised when I rewatched this movie. How much I liked it. I had seen it. I don't know when I had seen it exactly—not in 1999, but not long afterwards—and I thought that like, oh, it's okay. Um, but it was the same with Crash. When I watched Crash for the first time, I liked it. I probably liked it more than Existence, but I wasn't—I wasn't like wowed by it. And now I'm watching these movies, and I'm like, wow, they are amazing movies. And he—he's so willing to go wherever he wants to go, and everyone like joins him on this path. And I mean, again, just everything we just talked about shows that better than than. <laughs> Then you could explain in any way.
1: Yeah. One other, this isn't explicitly sexual, but it does tie into a lot of the sexuality uh, throughout. Uh, it's worth noting how much Allegra constantly refers to her pod and extends the game as her baby in a yes. very maternal yeah. way. Like yeah. she has it like. Extreme, how upset she is when it
0: gets destroyed.
1: Yes. And ju- just like in general, like again, that kind of, ties back into the whole sexual awakening thing is that of course she is a maternal figure guiding him through his first time with something that she has extreme experience with because she created this game like it it paints her it helps add to the uh, the trust that we give this character because yes. she is such a maternal figure and like when Ted says yeah.
0: what are you so upset about it's just a gaming port and she's like she She shows him that he has no idea what he's talking about, right? What what that means and what it is. And that it's much more than just like some device that you can replace at any point. And I mean, then she says, well, all the game, all the data was on there, but it's clear that it's not about that.
1: Yeah, it's her baby.
0: Yeah, it's her baby. Exactly. Yeah, in the literate sense. Uh, yeah. Before we move on, I, I want to quote and 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 because we we shouldn't move on too too quickly from William Defoe because one should never move yes. on from William Defoe too much. Um, I'm I'm maybe not as obsessive with William Defoe as you are, but I mean, a few I, people are. But I I love him. I I think William Defoe is a reason to watch a movie, like no matter what movie it is. So I'm Absolutely. I'm with you on this completely he also has a line that i want to just quote just to to, if anyone is doubtful about what we're saying how our interpretation is uh, he says a bioport that's a sort of a hole in your spine isn't it well a lot of assholes around here but that's generally it like he makes a connection even so explicit as explicit as you can go from one hole to another and the way he smiles about all of that yeah like he enjoys all of this so much doing that
1: I, Whenever you end up going on to other seasons and other decades and stuff, and however long this project goes, I'm curious if there's going to be another actor that shows up on this show more often than Willem Dafoe. Because just like, off the top of my head, you have Antichrist, you have Body of Evidence, which is a bad movie, but it certainly fits both. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have Light Sleeper, you have... Uh, even the last temptation of Christ fits because I mean I, I, yeah. I don't know just you can you can I make mean, that movie fit this like, you have
0: discussed it already but of course Wild at Heart right Wild is also at heart. there yeah. he's such a an, an exemplification of sex and violence in one character. The way yeah. he's so disgustingly sexual and violent at the same time, no one could do that better than Willem Dafoe. I think he's such a wonderfully sexual person, the way he, <laughs> he portrays yeah. his characters. Like, you see him and you think of sex, no matter what it is, you don't know where it's going, you don't know what it is, but you're like, well, that, sex. That That's yeah. like, it. and uh, yeah, I love that I mean, about him.
1: Yes, the lighthouse you could absolutely of throw course,
0: there. yes, of course,
1: yeah, nymphomaniac. Uh, uh, quite literally Uh, yeah like he is one of our finest sexual just like inherently sexual Yinks. presences but also Presence, inherently yeah. yes but also just like inherently violent like there's something creepy about him yeah but also something so just erotic as a person and what I like about that, Willem
0: Dafoe yeah. is when he plays nice people and you're so I don't know my heart always warms when I see him as just a nice person because you're yeah. like well, that's in him too. Yes, because like, like you can accept you him as any violent and sexual, but when he's just so soft and and emotional, and that's I think that's one of the reasons why I love the Florida project so much. Yes, and his his role in it because that that's so perfect. You 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 love him so much as this soft, good hearted person.
1: Yeah, you watch any interview with him, you yeah hear him talk about his yes, like how dedicated of an actor he is to just yeah. like really getting at all those characters he seems to be that kind of person in real life yeah he's there's a reason he's one of my favorites there's a reason. yeah he is
0: he's he one of the best easily yeah. and he is in this movie he's great in this movie as well uh, and, i would argue yeah
1: and uh upcoming sexual violent perhaps the new yorgos lanthimos i'm <laughs> uh i think it's coming out next year i'm very excited to see how they work together i'm i would i would it's I a great wish, fit, of course yes <laughs> I wish he had worked with Cronenberg again. Like, there's a lot of directors he's worked with once or twice that I wish we could have seen more from. Like, this is his only Cronenberg. His Wild at Heart yeah, is his right. only Lynch. Last yeah, he only Christ, went with
0: Fontrier more than once.
1: And, uh, pass, Pasoli- or not, no, he did pass. Pasoli- when it comes to, with, when it comes to, uh, Ferrara, uh, yeah,
0: right? Ferrara did, is did... also, yeah, yeah, he, he did several movies with Ferrara, also a very sexual director and yes. violent director. So that that is an interesting fit. Yeah, but you're right. He would fit for Cronenberg much more. Uh and it's kind of surprising that, that I think about that that he wasn't more Yeah. doing more think, with him.
1: I think Last Temptation of Christ is his only Scorsese aside from the like 5 seconds in The Aviator that he shows up in uh mm. which is a wild little cameo for no reason as like a private investigator in one scene. But yeah, there's a lot of directors that you would think he would be a great fit with for a recurring collaboration. And it just hasn't happened. Yeah. And I mean, also Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson is the other one. He's worked with a bunch. I don't know yes. how that didn't come up, but he's done like,
0: yeah, you're right. His you're right. Movies. And of course, in a way, Sam Raimi, but that's yeah. more connected to the character and Paul Schrader.
1: Yes. Paul Schrader is the other one that I was thinking when I said I was yes. Ferrara and there's someone else that I, I yes. link in there. Yeah.
0: Because uh, Autofocus is a movie where Autofocus this-
1: is another one that like, where uh, sex and
0: violence, is so closely connected.
1: Whenever you right? do the two thousands, I I want to talk about autofocus. Autofocus, I is, am taking my claim. That movie yes. is so good.
0: Yeah, it is underappreciated. I would argue.
1: Extremely okay. underappreciated.
0: Yes, this and uh, our our, our William Defoe fan section, although it it shouldn't. Uh, one thing because you mentioned, uh, you uh, you named uh, this scene as the most sexual moment when uh, this whole like the licking and then the actual sex. I mean it's the only scene in the movie where people actually have sex. Um, or anything
1: remote remotely related to like explicit non-subtextual sex. Like yes, everything exactly. that we mentioned otherwise as like sexual moments in the movie are not explicitly about sex.
0: If you have no concept of sex, you would not think that there is anything they're talking about anything but like modifying bodies for gaming. And this is the only scene, really the only scene where two people have sex. And it's not very long. It's not much. Like, and they are kissing, but it's really, really not much. If you look at the whole movie, it, it really is a, such a small portion of the movie.
1: Yeah, that's the most unrealistic part of this movie is the implication that gamers have sex. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that was mean, um, okay. What what I wanted to point out when this actually the, the actual sex scene happens, what Grunberg does is we have the sex scene, and then it cuts to the frog slaughtering scene right away. So we yeah. move from actual sex to maybe the most gro- gross violence in the movie. And to bring yeah. these two things together, again, is something that only Cronberg can do. Like you cannot even enjoy the sex scene for too long and just say, oh, they finally have sex and who knows what else happens because then you only think of, oh, this is what a frog looks like from the inside.
1: And not even a frog, a genetically mutated frog that was bioengineered yes. to <laughs> yes. produce these these commodities and whatever we wanna it it seems to be the implication that they're not just being bred for gaming, uh even within the world of existence. Yes. They are being bred for everything. Like yes. the food that they eat and God knows what else. But these parts inside these the wider like we see a conveyor belt with a bunch of different animals. Yes. None of them look the same. This isn't like a processing place for this one specific type of animal that we're taking the same things out of every time like no these are things that look like eels and things that look like snakes and things that look like fish and things that look like lizards and uh all sorts of different reptile and amphibians that are that are being processed for their bioengineered parts
0: yes yeah, it's gross. It's gross and fascinating at the same time because it's so unusual. Uh, we shouldn't forget to mention that a lot of the scenes we see of Jude Law and Jennifer Jason Lee are them lying in bed, actually, in a non-sexual yeah. way with their ports. Plugging themselves or each other, uh, mm-hmm. whatever subtext you want to find in there. And when they wake up at some point in the movie, uh, it's it looks so much like they're waking up from like having sex for a long time, like they're in a, a kind of sexual trance. They're like, "Oh, this is over. Oh, wow, this was so yeah. nice." And oh, 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 is this? Uh, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, we see them so much in bed in the motel.
1: Yes, which uh, I saw this on the IMDb trivia. Apparently, that uh, motel is the same one used uh, on Schitt's Creek.
0: Yeah, that's what I read as well and was surprised and went back and thought, oh, yeah, of course. Well, it's a motel. I would have never recognized in that as such. And but it's, it, and and it's, it's, a, it's in Canada, they're both yes.
1: Canadian productions. I, yes. I imagine that's probably in a lot of Canadian productions, but that is maybe where yeah where it is most famous from recently. I
0: think we talked about all the sexual moments in this movie, actually. I mean, again, in a way, the whole movie is sexual, <laughs> as we, as we yeah. try to explain, but I think we talked about the major ones and the major violent ones. I, I, I do want to quote from The Parent's Guide again, because having said everything we said about the sexuality, how implicit it is, it is, of course, interesting to see how the parent's guide deals with it. And yeah, under not, sex and a nudity, lot. it has a one item and it says, and, and this is interesting, it says, throughout the film, anus-like bioports are shown frequently in the backs of people. And then, and then look at this line, which makes no sense. So no genitalia are shown.
1: Yeah, that that's kind of a question the movie is posing. Is (laughs) yes, is is this a genital? Is this like yes? Is is it would it be NSFW in this world to post a picture of your bioport? Are you allowed to do that on Maine? Who knows? They certainly have sex with it. Maybe.
0: And again, as I mentioned before, the parents get also the, uh, explicitly says the sexing that we talked about is an, an anal scene. And I mean, yeah. again, I love how, non, uh, how non-objective those descriptions are. It says a picol and Allegra again, nice mix of a last and first name, madly kissing each other, which yeah. is not descriptive. The woman's skirt lifting up though full nudity is not shown. Which, I mean, there is no nudity shown, not full nudity. There's again, no, no skin more of a foreplay type of scene. However, the scene does end with Alacra sitting on Ted's lap with her back to him. This is shot from the chest and up, so while nothing is actually seen, the sounds heavily imply they're unsipping and anally having sex. I wouldn't argue that the sounds imply that. <laughs> the because sounds imply that it's sketch. entering one of them.
1: Sounds yes. imply that a hole is being penetrated. <laughs> yes. But as we talked about, truly up to the viewer's discretion as to what hole you want to imagine.
0: Yes, but apart from the the, uh, the licking scene, which is also mentioned in the parent's guide, the parent's guide does not mention any other sexual moments at all. Uh, yeah. So it I'll... misses quite a lot of them, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, although I imagine, like, as the, because it's all subtext and implication and innuendo. Of course. Uh, one, I don't know to what level innuendo you're allowed to put on the parent's guide. And also, I don't think a kid watching Existence is going to pick up on the, the innuendo. So I, I don't know if the parents need to be on the lookout for some of those uh, double entendres. I don't know. I don't
0: wanna I, I don't wanna spoil another episode that I, I'm doing, but um, there is a movie where sexual innuendo is very heavy as well, and the parents get mentioned it all the time. So it would be no problem, I think, for the guidelines of the parent's guide to add this as well, to add much of the dialogue that we have in this movie that is very, very implicitly about sex. I just think this movie is not popular enough. And again, not something that parents worry about that you have more here. I think that's yeah. that's the main issue. Uh, yeah, I can imagine fair. that the Crash Parent's Guide has much, much
1: more. Oh, I would bet. Yeah. <laughs> One of the thing I want to mention that's like, again, kind of sexual, more so just biological than anything Mm -hmm. in in a way that i guess we can kind of say like in each of the three levels of reality that we see the the way that the the machines and devices are designed are very different like within the world of existence everything is all bony and made of like these is very like piecemeal contraptions and and like bones and guts and teeth and stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, and then at the ending, uh, when when we're in maybe the real world, we don't know, they have like these blue sleek plastic uh, mm-hmm. headpieces and arm pieces and the tablets, and they have just like regular guns. Uh, but in the opening sequence, the one that is, I guess we're calling that sequence Transcendence. The game pods they have are like these big fleshy things that sit Mm -hmm. in your lap and have like knobs and bulbs and nubs and things Mm -hmm. and you're sort of like squeeze them and massage them and rub Mm -hmm. them. And it's, I mean, (laughs) it's like, I don't know how necessarily I would describe that as sexual, but I, I, I just know that that's sexual. I know Cronenberg. I know that he wants us to be envisioning that as something sexual. So we'll go with it.
0: They're at least cuddling with the devices. Let's put it this way. If not more, yeah. yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right, also, you're right. That's... Oh, no, just like those are the same ones that we see when, when, like you were saying, when they're on the bed and it's plugged yes. in. That's the, the pod that Allegra carries with her is yeah. this big thing that's like also kind of a baby, as the movie's putting it. Like that. that's her baby. But also it's this like knobby, fleshy bulb that you massage and you plug into your knot butt. And it shows you a whole new world of experience. (laughs) Yes. There's multiple different metaphors being used by that thing. But one of them is sexual, at the very least.
0: For sure. So I think we uh, have discussed all the uh, major sexual and violent moments in this movie, uh, which uh, brings us actually to our, um, well, final two final sections that I have prepared. Um, the first one is another question I want to ask everyone, which is very interesting here. And that is, could you imagine this movie have a different rating? Meaning, could you imagine this movie being more explicit to have like an like an NC-17 or something, or less explicit to have a, a lower rating by any chance? Can you imagine that?
1: Do you mean like the movie as it exists now to get a different rating or a version of the movie it, that would
0: fit? I mean... it. I would say in this case it would only be possible if you change a lot, right? I think it would be hard to make this movie to cut so much from this movie that it would not be R because then you wouldn't understand anything.
1: Yeah, Uh, like my answer. If if we're changing things, like I I could see this movie getting an NC seventeen. Like you mentioned, there's no actual nudity, uh, which for a Cronenberg movie, isn't necessarily the case. Like he's done movies with much more nudity. So yes. like I could see a version of this movie where there's you see a lot more of the two leads, uh, yeah, and not just their bioports. But I I I I don't know if I could imagine a version of this movie that is true to its themes, uh, and gets at the same ideas while being more sanitized. Like I think you need all of the sexual stuff and innuendo and all of the violence to make this movie pack the same punch that it does.
0: Yeah, I think I would definitely agree with that. I cannot imagine this movie being even closely the same movie with uh, a lower rating, with less sex and violence. Again, as you said, it would be easy to, to imagine this movie to be more explicit. And again, just if you look at Crash, you, you see that Cronenberg has no problem with being much more explicit, especially when it comes to sexuality, but also with violence. I mean, there are many more examples for violence. Uh, there mov- Most of his movies are more violent than this one. But I mean, clearly the movie doesn't need more sex or violence to be effective. But I think it would not be effective if it was less of what it is. Yeah. You also know that the IMDb uh, always uh, or sometimes talks about alternate versions of the movie if there are like movies uh, versions that are cut or something existence doesn't have much it only says that the distributor uh, removed some graphic violence to get a different rating in ontario but it didn't work but it doesn't say what was cut which i always find fascinating like what what are the scenes that people say okay you need to cut this so that the rating changes i couldn't find out which scenes this uh, would have been and again they didn't <laughs> they didn't achieve a lower rating anyway so it, it, it doesn't yeah. really matter and there's nothing huh. else. Um, I don't know. I
1: don't know what that here. would be because, like, all of the acts of violence are integral to the plot. Like, Allegra getting shot is what sets off the uh, the trip they go on. The the waiter at the Chinese restaurant getting shot is important because he, like, that ties into the whole conspiracy with the the combating uh, uh, developers or whatever. And uh, I think you could... Like,
0: yes, you could, yes, I get, think
1: cut you... away. Like individual shots, but I don't think there's any violent acts that can be completely excised.
0: But normally it's about what is shown and not of what is implied. So if you don't show the last moment of the waiter lying on the floor, not showing the wound, or not showing what exactly they're operating on on the operating table, and you just hear the sounds and dialogue, I think that would work. And it wouldn't wouldn't be a completely different movie, it would just be less explicit, and the same thing would work. So I think that would be possible, but I think even if you do that, it would still be R. I mean, and obviously and we have talked was, about language so much. Yes, we haven't talked about language much, but even there, like if you look at the parents' guide, it's actually not that much. It's like six uses of fuck, which is not much, right? Yeah, so, I
1: couldn't pull out one specifically off the top of my head. Like, I don't. And the rest is any... like
0: one use of shit, two use of hell, one use of bastard, and again, one use of asshole. It's really not that much. Like, even the language is not that profane at all. Yeah. Like, on some level, the movie is not that explicit in anything it, it does i would say it, it's all with, implicit, with some of yeah. some of the exceptions again of the uh the operation i would argue and the uh the factory scenes and the last shot of the waiter are the most explicit moments and all of these are not as integral to the plot as you would imagine and the actual yeah. acts of violence are not as uh, violent as you could imagine as well okay um okay then final section what i'm attempting and i don't know if it will work um <laughs> Uh, because we talk about ratings a lot, I I, I want to try to uh, find our own rating for this movie on a, on a scale of um, four categories and that you have to rate now on, in a very scientific way from one okay. to ten. I tell you what the categories are and you just give your best guess. So on a scale from one to ten, and you have to combine sex and violence because otherwise it gets too complicated. How explicit would you say is the movie in its sex and violence on a scale from one to ten? One being not explicit, ten being very explicit.
1: I'm gonna say, I feel like six is too lenient and eight is too stringent. Uh, and so that puts leaves is. me with seven. That <laughs> leaves me with seven right in the middle. Okay. Yeah, I feel yeah. like this is a good like, mm-hmm. like you said, the the scenes where it is explicit, it is very explicit, but there's so few and far between that anything higher seems too strict. Seems like I'm I'm being too, I'm I'm giving it more. I don't I don't know putting more weight on those you mm-hmm. moments than it deserves.
0: Yeah, I always want to go to guests uh have to go a guest go first so um but I I do agree. I think 7 fits very well for its explicitness. And of course you could argue for for 6 or 8 if you wanted to. Um yeah. okay, next category is how intense would you say is the sex and violence in this movie?
1: Oh, in that case I'm going to say a 9. Because mm-hmm. the the scenes where it does happen, it is As with a lot of Cronenberg, unflinching in showing you the grotesqueries and and showing Mm -hmm. you how like just, you know, Cronenberg having fun with the art department and just like Mm -hmm. making the most visceral things that you have to look at and then making you look at it like it's pretty intense. I'm going to go with a a nine. It could have been more intense, but it's pretty damn intense.
0: It is. Yeah. And I mean, just everything we talked about with the sexual subtext, which is almost no subtext, that also makes it very intense, because it's all over the movie. It's not just in one moment. Yeah. Like, again, the it, the movie leads to the character, uh, Jude Law's character, to embrace his new sexuality, or whatever you want to call it, or his kink. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you can call whatever you want, but, I mean, this is so much there that I think makes this movie also very intense. Okay, and uh, the next one... Well, uh, this is a movie where this category uh, is m- maybe too too uh, obvious. How much would you say is the sex and violence connected to the themes of the movie?
1: That's a 10. That is... That's like, a 10, yes. The themes we talked about are like extremist violence, terrorism, and getting pegged. And if that's not... <laughs> yes. the, like one step too far beyond what the sort of mainline acceptance of sex and violence in mainstream culture is like i i don't know what it is i feel like this is a a pretty pretty solid 10 here
0: yes it is even if it's not that explicit the whole movie is about sex and violence
1: yes that's why i picked it that's why it was one of the ones that i'm like oh i I, this is going to be uh, a fun one to talk about and it turns out it was
0: Yes. Um, okay. Last category, and then we're done with this, and can see which rating we have. And now we have to do. You have to switch around the rating. Uh, how much would you recommend this movie for children? One being, um, you would recommend it for children, and ten being, no, I cannot recommend this to children.
1: Again, a ten. I I, I would not recommend this. Like maybe maybe late teens. I would say like are are able to, you know, grasp some. But I I don't know. I, I feel like. I don't know. I feel like you have to have a certain level of understanding of some things to appreciate this movie on the level that we're talking about. So, yes, Yes. I'd say 10.
0: And I mean, of course, it depends. It depends on which children we're talking about, which age we're talking about. Like like we said in the beginning, like what do these children actually know about sex or violence? Or do you watch the movie with them and talk to them about that? I I think that all is... um, But yeah, generally... This is not a movie that that even children can do much with, right? Because you, yeah. there's there a certain level of maturity of that you need to to understand the themes of the of the film at all, right? Uh, and I think yeah. they're they should be old enough that you wouldn't call them children anymore to be able to watch that movie. So yeah, yeah, uh, which makes this a, a rating of a 36 out of 40, which is pretty high, which is fitting for uh, the first episode of this podcast uh, about yeah. sex and violence. So yes. Thank you. Yeah, that, that was uh, we I put this on the database. We'll see uh, where, where we go with the ratings, uh, how much we can make an unofficial rating in the future. Is there anything else you want to add to our discussion?
1: Um, I realized we kind of skipped over one more act of like violence. That's like the most realistic act. And it's fitting that we're doing it now because it's at the very end of the movie where after the game i like the the overall game ends and Mm -hmm. they're all uh in the testing area uh and it turns out jennifer jason lee and jude law are the actual anti-gaming terrorists and they shoot up uh sarah Pauly and the guy who's the actual game designer Mm -hmm. uh and they when they do that it's just actual real life guns as Mm -hmm. like they, they just look like regular guns um i i don't know if i have anything really to say about that on a thematic level but It's interesting that we get that moment where uh, the weapon is, is real.
0: I think it's interesting because, again, those scenes are not that bloody in any way. Yeah. And I think compared to everything we have seen in the movie at this point, it's also not as shocking because we have seen so many twists already and people turn out to be terrorists and so on and so on. And I wonder, again, if there's a point to all of that, that the final scene is not as shocking as you could imagine it to be. Because, I mean, the movie opens with a similar scene like that, which is much more shocking because you don't expect it. And when it happens at the end, you kind of shrug and you're like, oh, okay, there's another twist. But the actual violence, I think, does not um, do much with the viewer anymore. Yeah. I would even argue that the last shot of the movie, and we haven't talked about first and last shots, but the last shot of the movie is Jude Law and Jennifer Jason Lee pointing a gun straight at the camera, kind of almost asking like, so here, here's the violence. What do you do with that now? Almost in a, in a yeah, funny yeah. games way, like like pointing at the viewer and asking, daring us to think about violence now.
1: Yeah. I mean, the literal last line of the movie is, are we still in the game? Yeah. And There's no we? answer. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie it is it is still fictional on that yeah. level for us here in the real world watching the movie, but like, are we are we still in the game? <laughs> are we still on what level are we, are we interpreting things? I don't know. The movie leaves it open. We'll leave it open. I think there's yeah, nothing I,
0: I, yeah there's nothing more ambiguous than ending something with a question without giving an answer. Um, which again, I love. It's it's yeah. perfect for this movie and for Cronenberg to to have this question to leave us something uh, to to think about. Um, but yeah, are we? I don't know. I don't know. Um, we are, uh, we are definitely can answer the question if we are done with uh, this episode. I think we are, if you, uh, yeah. again, you, you added something important actually. So that, it's a good thing I ask. Okay. I can already say a uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for this really, really interesting discussion. I couldn't have hoped for a more interesting discussion for this first episode uh, if I wanted to. So uh, that's a uh, really, really, really great. Do you have anything to plug?
1: Uh, you can find my podcast, uh, it's the Lone Acting Nominees, where I talk about movies that only got one Oscar nomination, and it was for one of the actors in the movie. David here has been on like what eight times by now, or something. Maybe even Seven nine.
0: I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I lost count. Uh,
1: uh, yeah. Either way, uh, it's a good show. I hope. Of course, you it's can great. find it. Yeah, it's called the Lone Acting Nominees. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. It's on Twitter and Letterboxed at Lone Acting Noms, and Instagram at the Lone Acting Nominees. And you can find that there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, of course. Also recommended by me. It's a great podcast. Uh, and I'm, we haven't talked about awards at all in this episode because this is not what this is about, yes. <laughs> but it was unusual not to talk about awards uh, with you again. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for, uh, for being here. Uh, I hope you return at some point. That would be great. I would love and, to. Um... I, uh,
1: we've talked about already a couple different movies that I want to come back on and talk about uh so hopefully i will be on to talk about some of those at some point
0: yes and unless you think of the movie that you couldn't think of at the beginning of this episode this makes it the end of this episode Uh, and then i can say well goodbye see you next week or hear you next week you've never played any
1: game look i've been dying to play your games but i have this phobia about having my body penetrated